On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to talk about a study that says, get ready for this, that certain dogs can be trained to sniff out almost 100% of certain types of cancer. It's a fascinating story if it's true. The lead person behind the study joins us to discuss it. We're also chatting about the new Ontario license plates. Guess what's coming? An earworm that is going to burn its way into your head for the next 50 years, just like it did for the last 50 years, because that's what's going to be on your license. And also, we're going to be chatting about the NHL playoffs, which are starting, and the Masters that is getting going. What makes them so magical? Why do people want to watch them? We'll discuss all of it right here. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. As you know, the dream for scientists and researchers and frankly, an awful lot of people for years has been to find a cure for cancer. We all have tried to, Terry Fox, go back that far, go back further. A cure for cancer is what we're always trying to find. In fact, it's become a cliche in a lot of ways. But if we haven't been able to achieve that yet, and I don't think we have unless someone's hiding it, and why would you do that? The second best thing might be discovering a way to find cancer before it metastasizes so we can deal with it early. And that's where my first guest tonight comes in. She told the American Society for Biochemistry and Molecular Biology this week that her team has trained three beagles, three dogs, to detect signs of lung cancer in blood samples, breast cancer as well. According to this study, these dogs were successful 96.7% of the time in finding cancer a year or more before traditional tests were able to discover. It is a stunning bit of research, if it is true. Let me bring in Heather Junkera, who is the head of research with Biosent DX. Heather, thanks for doing this today. Thanks for having me on the show. I must say, when I heard this at first, I was skeptical about the fact <laughs> that three dogs could actually do this. Is this really true? Yes, it's really true. Dogs have an amazing sense of smell. They are, have been gifted with many more olfactory nerves than we have. And so they're able to be trained to pick up the odor that's caused by cancer. So we are diligently trying to figure out what is causing that odor and using the dogs to help us discover that. So how do you... Dogs don't naturally bark or do whatever when they smell cancer, I'm assuming. So how do you train no. them to, to be able to discern or to decide which one is, which blood is cancerous or which isn't? So it's all done with positive reinforcement. So we get cancer samples from people who are newly diagnosed. We try to get, you know, stage one samples, newly diagnosed. We present those to the dogs and they receive a treat. And then they're taught to sit when they smell that. So they go through about a six-week training process to recognize that that's their target odor. And then we tested them by, we put controls out amongst new cancer samples that they've never been exposed to, and that's how they were tested. And they signal it by, if they smell it, they sit down. They sit down, yes. So they go along a room, and the canisters um, are placed on the wall, and the sample is inside the canister, so they have to stick their nose in each canister, so we're sure that they smell each and every one. And when they get to the correct one, they sit. Are we basically talking about almost the exact same training as for drug-sniffing dogs, only you're exactly. doing cancer? It's exactly. The only difference is, is that with drugs, you know what your target odor is, and with cancer, we don't know what that odor is. So we, it requires to use a lot of samples for training. So the dog doesn't just memorize 
that person's blood serum. Mm. So we had to use a lot of samples in training, and they start to pick out the common denominator between the different samples. And what's really, really exciting is we figured out they not only can pick up the odor in blood serum, they can also pick it up in saliva and breath condensate. So you wouldn't even have to necessarily draw blood? No. So we have a new study that we're conducting right now, and that uses breath condensate. So people can participate in the study by simply wearing a face mask for five minutes, and they, the face mask is mailed to them. They put it on for five minutes. They fill out some forms and mail it back to us, and we can test it for any signs of the odor associated with cancer. Heather, this may be a, a ridiculous question, but did you try to smell the blood as well to see if a human could discern <laughs> the differences? Yeah, humans, humans can't discern the difference in the, um, in the serum. Have no. we tried? But I'm sure people may have tried. I have not personally okay. tried that. But um, yeah, I've actually met some different um, oncologists I've talked to that have told me, like, yes, when you walk in a room, you can sometimes smell like the cancer on the person in late stages. So there are people that, um, that have mentioned they've recognized that odor before. And that would presume that I, that would probably come from, again, from the breath, I'm guessing, because you, yes, because again, these dogs that are trained to do this, they are not sniffing the person. They're sniffing the blood sample. No. Exactly. They're sniffing the sample. And that's why we moved on to the study with the breath condensate, because that's much more of a non-invasive way to collect samples from people. So um, they're highly accurate on the breath as well. We're getting ready to, um, that study will go out for, um, to be published in a peer reviewed journal probably in the next couple months. And then we've already moved on to human trials testing people for lung cancer and breast cancer. Do, Do different types of cancer have different smells? Do we know? They do. They do. So you can train a dog to, like we train the dogs to identify lung cancer, and I trained another group to identify breast cancer. And if you bring your lung cancer dog in to test when you put a breast cancer sample out, they'll walk by it and they'll stop and smell it for a long time and look at you kind of confused, like, am I supposed to sit on this or not? And if you just tell them no and they move on, then they learn that they don't get rewarded for that and they'll only sit on the lung samples. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Chatting about a story, about a study that's out this week. And here's the headline in the New York Post about this. Dogs can sniff out cancer in blood with astonishing accuracy. It's a stunning thing to think about that dogs can do the work that maybe much more complicated tests have done in the past. Heather Junkera is with Biosent DX. She is the author of this study and the lead researcher. She joins us now. And Heather, could... Look, every medical test, it seems, costs a fortune these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, could this, could these dogs legitimately replace some of those very expensive tests that people are doing for cancer screening? I think that, I don't know that this test will replace the current diagnostics. I think this is a great screening method. You know, a lot more research needs to be done to um, for it to actually become a diagnostic tool. But as a screening tool, I definitely think... Um, it will help, you know, doctors in the future. We are actually currently putting together another study with a company, um, with a radiology company to test their patients that come in for mammograms and um, with our tests at the same time. So it will help the radiologist if there's a positive from the dog 
to know to go back and reread those films. So I think this will be in conjunction with traditional medicine. Have you had any feedback from oncologists or radiologists or anyone else who works in the medical side of this industry? Yeah, the radiologists are incredibly excited about it. We actually had a group approach us about doing the study in conjunction with them. And at first I was kind of shocked because I thought, oh no, they're going to see us as competitors. But they didn't at all. They were like, yeah, you know, there's definitely issues with mammograms, especially with women with dense breast tissue. And then on the lung cancer side, it's really difficult to detect lung cancer. So there are a lot of possible applications where our tests can help the current diagnostics. See, I wasn't even thinking of the competitor side, although you raised that. I would have thought that there are some doctors who would have looked at this as quackery, quite honestly, and and would have been really skeptical and really resistant to going down this road. Oh, there definitely, there still are. And that's why, you know, we are just working really hard at, you know, putting out, you know, good studies that are, you know, done the correct way and following all the proper scientific guidelines. And so, we can really prove, you know, how accurate the dogs are at this. Have you had any oncologists or other cancer doctors in to observe one of these tests being done so they can see that it works? As of yet, we haven't had oncologists come in yet. We've had, um, we have other doctors come in. We work with Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. So I've got about 20 medical interns that work with me. Mm. And then the physicians from that, you know, university are, constantly in and out of the laboratory and they oversee, you know, when we're doing the double blind testing, they'll come in and oversee it as well. Do you think people would be at this point confident? In, I mean, it sounds like you would be, but if, if you said to me, look, I, I have this test done and you can feel confident when you have this, that you're either clear or that you may have something to worry about. Do you think people at this point would have confidence at that level? Um, I think a lot of people do because they realize the ability you know, of the dogs, especially people who have worked, you know, in the scent detection, you know, industry, they know how accurate. When we went to get our um, approval, if we had to get um, the IRB approvals to do the studies, when the board was reviewing it, there was a gentleman on the board who he had actually been in Afghanistan and worked with the um, bomb detection dogs Mm. and dogs looking for IEDs. And when they were like, okay, can we allow them to give back results to people? That was the big question, whether it would be ethical to give results from a study back to someone. And the gentleman made a good point. He said, look, we trust our lives to what the dogs are smelling. They'll go in and clear a room and I'll take my entire, you know, troop in there on what the dog was saying. So he's like, definitely, I think we can give the results back to the people who participate in the study. Are there other examples, though, in medicine where dogs are used or their ability to smell is used? Are there any other cases that we use this for, use them for? Currently, no. There is a group in Africa that's using giant Africanized African rats, and they are doing a study with tuberculosis. And I'm not sure exactly which country it is, but I know that they are using the rats as a screening tool because they can sniff faster the samples than a technician can go through and look at them on a microscope. So they use the rats to screen and then they pull out those positive samples and a technician views them. And they've had really good success with cutting down the rate of tuberculosis there. Now, the numbers that you pointed out, uh, and it goes along with that, is it something like 97% accuracy that these dogs in your study have been able to achieve. 
do you, have you been able to figure out for the 3% and it's a small number, but what is the thing that has thrown them off in the 3% they weren't able to get? Sometimes dogs just have a bad day. You know, they're like people, they're not machines. And so sometimes they might come in and they just don't quite feel like working that day. And I think that's kind of the factor. They just kind of, I remember particularly one dog that day, she was just really lazy and she just walked through the room and she was hardly sniffing the canisters and, you know, she missed some that day. So I think it's just, you have to, because they're not machines, that's basically the it is a it is a fascinating study. As I say, I've I, I read this and I had to read it twice because I thought I, at first I wasn't sure if it was real. But when it, you know <laughs> when it is, it is it certainly sounds like it's something that holds promise. If not as a final word on it, then uh, as something to to explore. Uh, Heather Junkera from Biosent DX. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me on. I don't know what a doctor would say honestly if you walked into the clinic and said. I just had a dog sniff me and I think I have cancer. I don't know what the response would be to that, but if they're getting 97% correct, I'm sure there are some doctors that aren't getting 97% correct in their diagnoses. So interesting, if nothing else. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Scott Radley Show, you know what that was from, right? Bob and Doug McKenzie, Once Upon a Time on SCTV, Great White North, that whole thing. Well, that was that was something that'll stick in your head. Some of you later tonight, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, are going to start catching yourself going, and you're going to be doing it and not even realizing you're doing it and all of a sudden say, oh, wait a second, I know where I heard that. Well, I'm about to make your night even worse than that. I, I, I apologize. I'm not reveling in this. But I'm going to make your life, your night, your evening, your earworm problem even worse than that. And I'll tell you why. You heard that a week or two ago that the Ford government announced they were going to be changing our license plates. The yours to discover was going to be no more. We're going to change it. And then it came out that it was going to be open for business. That was sort of half true, sort of, because on some commercial vehicles, that's going to be the license plate model. But now we learn today what the new motto on our license plates is going to be. This is going to be released on Thursday, apparently as part of the budget, but multiple reports are saying that the new logo that is going to be on Ontario license plates is a place to grow. And if that sounds vaguely familiar, if you're thinking, wait a second, a place to grow, a place to grow. Why do I know that line, a place to grow? Well, here is why that may sound familiar. There it is. The song from Expo 67, A Place to Stand. That's where we're getting this from. We are going back to 1967. We're going back 52 years to a song that if you were old enough to have remembered that being on your TV all the time, I don't know that you're excited about that being in your head every single time you see a license plate now. 
every time you pull up behind some other car and you see a place to grow, it's going to start popping into your head. You're going to be singing that stupid song every single time you come to a stop sign and there's a car in front of you. The Ford government has basically chosen the world's second biggest it's a small world after all will be the biggest one, but the second biggest earworm on planet earth and made it our license plate. So you are going to be humming that stupid song forever. I'm sorry. I'm not excited about the idea of having that song in my head from now until the end of my life or, or until the next premier decides to change the license plate back. I want to hear from you if this is something that moves you, because I, as I say, I I would have preferred almost anything else to a place to grow because of the song. Now, by the way, little, little known fact, you may know this, a little bit of trivia that may or may not matter to you. The person who wrote that jingle, that song, A Place to Grow, or A Place to Stand is the name of it, for Expo 67 was a woman by the name of Dolores Clayman. Her other claim to fame, she wrote the original Hockey Night in Canada theme song. Dun, da, dun, da, 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 that one. Uh, Dolores Clayman is her name. She's still alive, living in London, England. She's 91 or 92 years old right now. Far, far away from Ontario, so she's safe from hearing her jingle play day after day after day now. Because you know you're going to hear this thing forever from here on. And you're going to imagine it. Now, for those people who are young enough that they didn't have to suffer the repetition of that song, this is probably okay. If you're under 25, maybe under 30 even, I don't know, you're probably okay because that jingle doesn't really mean anything. Although, it does make me wonder if we're going to start seeing this jingle popping up now, if, the, if Ontario is going to redo that song or maybe even just pull back the original and start playing it as a commercial for Ontario again. you gotta th- you got to wonder, if they're going with the wording... Are we going to start hearing that song over and over, which would be even worse? It would be even worse. But I want to know from you if you are excited about a place to grow as opposed to years to discover, or frankly, as opposed to any other possible logo or motto we could have had. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. When you see a car, when you see a license plate that says a place to grow, Are you going to be vibrating with excitement, just thinking, golly gee willikers, I can't be more happy that this is a place to grow? Or are you going to be having that song, I'll leave out the adjective, that song roaring through your head every single time, cursing those who would have brought it back into the mainstream? 905-645-3221, star 9900. I looked down for a second. I see Doris. For a second, I thought it said Dolores. I thought Dolores Clayman was calling in to defend her song, but it's Doris. Doris, how are you tonight? I'm fine, thank you. What do you think about this? Well, I don't know. It's kind of silly, but that's not the point that I'm calling. They're doing stupid things anyway. But if you go in your car on your way home today or in the parking lot, you look at the back license plate of any car. You get a holder when you buy your car to put your license in. Yes. Guess what it covers? The motto? At the bottom. Let's hope it covers this one. 
<laughs> let's let's hope the holders continue to be big enough to cover the model. Are you now, Doris? I would never ask your age, but are you old enough to have remembered that jingle? Oh God, yes. Are you excited about having that in your head now for the next thirty years? No. <laughs> See, thank you. I appreciate you jumping on board with me. Thanks for the call, Doris. I want to hear from you. We got Jackie on the line. We got Anita on the line. We got lines open. If you want to jump in and tell me what you think, are you excited about a place to grow on the license plate? So you are going to be humming this song forever. 905-645-3221 or star nine nine zero zero. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Are you mad at me yet? Is it burned into your head? Because it's going to be. Because I got to believe that when, by the way, we're talking about the new license plates, the motto, it's going to be unveiled on Thursday for Ontario. Yours to discover is going to be changed to a place to grow. And I have to believe that if the government is deciding that a place to grow is for our licenses, we are going to see a return of that jingle selling Ontario on TV ads and radio ads. And I mean, look, I'm all for the government since we're spending all of our money on them, spending a little bit back here on CHML. Advertise away, government. But please, not that song. Not that song. Any other song but that song. We had someone call in during the break who said uh, she never even realized that it said yours to discover before, so it's not going to bother her. And another emailer came in saying it should say a place to grow pot. That would that would probably fit in better with our modern provincial reality. Uh, Jackie joins me on the line now. Jackie, how are you tonight? I'm fine. What and do you think about this? My spin on it is, why change it in the first place? I agree. I don't get it. Secondly, I after you've seen it about one week, you'll never see it again. Until they start playing those stupid commercials. I'm telling you, it's going to come. If they've chosen this line, it means they're going to go back to that, that jingle as well. Yeah, for a week. Are you, now, Jackie, are you, I won't ask your age, just yes, like I, I wouldn't yes, before. Yes, I did. I went to Expo. Oh, you went to Expo. Wow. So this yes. was burned into your brain. Um, you know, not really. Really? And a, and a while ago, you had a contest, and, um, and I really, uh, it was uh, Give the Next Line in that song. Yep. And I really had to think about it to come up with that line. But you know what? I think it's dumb why I change it in the first place. I don't think anybody will see it. And I agree with the person that says a uh, place to grow marijuana. I think we've got a good government <laughs> between this guy and his Mary jo- pardon me, Trudeau and his marijuana, and this guy and his buck a bottle beer and tailgate parties. Everybody will be too darn drunk to see how bad the government's screwing up. <laughs> Jackie, thank you for the call. Okay. D- Jackie, not a big, well, maybe a big fan of the partying. I don't know, but maybe not while you're driving. Uh, there are some other suggestions, by the way, that people have put out there. And my lines are still open, 905-645-3221 or star 9900. What do you think about a place to grow as our new license logo. I have two issues with it. You know one of them. I've said it now five times. The other is the government has said that this is not going to cost you anything. I am positive that we're all going to have to get new license plates, because we will, and we're going to have to pay for those license plates. So it may not be like a personalized plate where you pay 200 or 250 bucks, but they'll say, well, you've got a year and it's going to cost you X number of dollars. Of course they're going to do that. But there are other suggestions, by the way, as you decide whether you want to call and tell me whether you think 
that you're okay with the a place to grow idea, knowing that this jingle is now going to be etched into your brain. Except for Jackie, who somehow put on the cone of silence as she walked through Expo. I don't know how you go to Expo 67 and didn't have that song. If you've ever been to Disney World and walked within five kilometers of the It's a Small World ride, you've heard that song, and then you're lying in bed at 11 o'clock after the fireworks in Disney World, and all you can think of is, and you wake up in the morning, and you're driving on the bus to the party, you cannot get it out of your head. This is what this is going to be. Anyway, some other better suggestions. Better suggestions, I would suggest. It's sort of repetitive. Ontario, birthplace of the Beebs. That could be one of them. I'm stealing these, by the way, from uh, who did this? From the Toronto Star came up with a bunch that were suggested to them. Uh, Ontario, get out of my way. I like that one. We, we, we have a lot of angry drivers in this province. Uh, tied into that, Ontario, hurry up already. And Ontario, gridlock, gridlock glory. Uh, how about Ontario, all in capital letters, use your signal. Like that one. There's a lot about rage here. A lot about rage. But if you're going to put a license motto that people are staring at from behind, what do you expect? Oh, it ties into this one. Ontario. Oh, yeah? F you too. <laughs> that one might be a little aggressive. But um, Ontario. What's that smell? <laughs> I'm not sure these were seriously considered by the government. Ontario, trade Jake Gardner. Well, that's uh, for you Leaf fans out there. We'll see how the playoffs go. You may or may not like that one. Uh, Ontario, because you're not worth it. No, that's a good one. Ontario, oh, this ties into the other one. Ontario, home of the stoned. Or Ontario, I can't feel my face. <laughs> yeah, that would, those would work. Ontario, blame Trudeau. Like that one. Um, let's see, what else here? Ontario, high as a kite. Yeah. Let me see one other one. Ontario, where the construction never ends. Yep, that one would work as well. There's lots of other ones. But what do you think? we got we got to go really quickly here. we got one more. Let us get to Robert. going to get Robert on here. Just a second. Robert's coming. There we go. Oh, no, we lost Robert. I don't know what happened to Robert. He disappeared. Maybe that was his statement about the license plates. Anyway... Your, yours to discover has been changed to, or will be changed to, a place to grow. Get used to this song, because you'll be hearing it for a lot. Back after this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I always love having this next guy on. We haven't had him for a while, but uh, long-time sports TV writer. We do love having here Chris Zelkovich. Chris, how are you today? Uh, good. I was feeling better until you used the word a long time. It just sort of aged me a bit. Well, it's been but, a long uh, time since we've had you here. Too long. So yeah, we've yeah, got to get you back yeah. here. It's, and it okay. seems like a good time. Uh, a couple things I want to get to with you that are... Well, let me start with this. And it wasn't one of the things I was going to talk about initially. But today, I believe it's today, is the NHL draft lottery that's going to be happening sometime in the next <clears> few <throat> minutes, I think. And every single Ottawa Senators fan is praying to whatever deity they choose that they don't win this thing because they'll look like morons because they gave away the first pick. <laughs> but why does this work so well, these things? It's not just the NHL. I mean, the NBA does it as well. Why does drafts and draft lotteries, guys sitting around looking at cardboard <laughs> pictures, works so well for TV? Well, you know, that's a, that's a mystery that I've been trying to uh, you know, unravel for some time because uh, 
I mean, really, when it comes to the you know the production values and 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 what you're looking at on the screen, it is uh, it is death. But you know the the passion of the fans is just you know so deep that uh, honestly, you could you could put a screen grab on there, uh, have no people on it, no just just the actual ping pong balls, words, words, ping pong, yeah, going across, and and people would watch it. It's just it's the event itself. It has nothing to do with with uh, any of the presentation, because honestly, the presentation is it's pretty limited as to what you can do, and for the most part, what they do do is not really <laughs> exactly gripping. But I think that you know the, the the fan bases these days are just uh, you know so fanatical, and then of course the fact is, you know, I mean, you go back to the days of uh, you know the Simpsons when they uh, they showed the uh, the Canadian Football League draft. Well, that was a big joke. Well, <laughs> you know, here we are. 20 years later or whatever, and it's on TV and it draws big audiences. Who knew the Simpsons were actually prophetic? Oh, God. <laughs> That's frightening how prophetic they are. The, the interesting thing, though, is, okay, let me, let me put two scenarios in front of you. First of all, what happens in Ottawa tonight to Eugene Melnick, and I don't mean violence, I just mean fan reaction. If the Ottawa Senators, and again, for those who don't know, back a year ago, the Senators traded away their first-round draft pick for next year. They could have had a choice, actually, of last year or this year. They decided to keep their pick last year, which meant Colorado gets, regardless, Ottawa's pick this year. And Ottawa finished dead last, so they have the best chance of winning this lottery and handing the top pick to Colorado. What happens to Eugene Melnick and the Ottawa Senators franchise if they actually win this thing tonight? Well, I'd say that uh, he'd be, be uh, pinched in effigy or burned in effigy, but I think that's already happened. I, I honestly <laughs> don't know how how much lower can this guy go as far as public opinion goes. I, I honestly, <laughs> it's just sort of one more, you know, one more, one more log on the fire, on the funeral pyre of Eugene Melnick as an Ottawa celebrity. Um, yeah, it really has just been. Uh, a pretty horrible stretch for them, and and this would almost be the icing on the cake. I suppose you know you, you could look at it as well. They can only go up from here, so so it may not be the worst thing that happens. It, it would, um, yeah. I, I don't know that they could go down any further, but everybody outside of Ottawa, I think, in a in a sadistic kind of way, is rooting for them to win just to see what will happen. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, you know, Mr. Melnick doesn't have a whole lot of supporters uh, either in Ottawa or out, so uh, there may be a, a collective uh, Schadenfreude going on there. Now, the other side is, and this is uh, this is unlikely, but it is possible. What happens if the Edmonton Oilers win the draft lottery tonight? <laughs> well, that's never happened before. No, well, only um, about seventeen <laughs> times. Exactly. I, you know. <laughs> I, I, that's an organization you you would think that that, uh, that they'd be hoping they don't win it uh, for the very same reason that you know all it does is highlight what an what a mess the whole thing has been how they've botched draft after draft. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're sitting there saying you know second or third would be fine we could live with that because uh, another first place it just uh, well talk about logs on the funeral pyre that. Uh, that would add another one to their uh, their long list too. All right. So after that's done today, uh, tomorrow night the Stanley Cup Finals begin. Not finals. Pardon me. The Stanley Cup Playoffs begin tomorrow day. Tomorrow night we have three Canadian teams that made it this year: Toronto, Calgary, and Winnipeg. We all know. I'm not going to insult anybody by asking <laughs> which one the TV networks are hoping lasts the longest. <laughs> I mean that's that's stupid. Everybody knows they're praying yeah. for the Leafs. 
But between Calgary and Winnipeg, Calgary is a bigger city, but is there one of those two that, that the TV networks would prefer to last longer in this thing? Um, I think there, there isn't a huge difference because they're both relatively small markets and they don't have you know, the national profile that the Leafs or the Canadians have. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think it's, it's really what they'd be looking at and hoping for is that the team that's the best story uh, can, can last longer. Um, and, you know, that really, you know, it's pretty hard to pick the two. I mean, you know, Winnipeg is, uh, you know, in many ways the sort of underdog of all underdogs. Uh, you know, had a team, they lost the team, uh, now they got a team back, and they sort of come out of nowhere the last few years. Uh, but I think, you know, it, you could almost flip a coin on that one. I, I, I think Winnipeg's probably the better story. Uh, but when it comes to drawing power, I, I think they're pretty much equal. Does um, any Does anybody... Honestly, in Canada, does anybody hate either of these teams? I mean, when when Vancouver made it to the finals, everybody outside Vancouver was rooting against them, despite what they thought. And the Leafs have people who love them across country, but also hate them. And same with the Canadians, and certainly same with the Senators. Does anybody dislike the Jets or the Flames? They seem rather benign that you could jump, that anybody could jump on board with them. Well, I assume you're not counting the people who live in Edmonton. Well, fair enough. Okay, there's your one exception. And I guess that's the advantage Winnipeg has is that nobody, I mean, how can you hate Winnipeg? Uh, you know, in football, everybody in Saskatchewan hates Winnipeg, but beyond, but outside of that, uh, no, I, I could see Winnipeg being a team that the entire country gets behind <clears throat> to an extent. Um, but, you know, certainly not, uh, not what the Leafs would do. Um, you know, that, that of course is the, the, uh, <clears throat> as you said, the, uh, the network's ultimate dream is the Leafs going to the final. Um, and who knows? It could happen, but, uh, just an example, I dragged, I dragged out some TV ratings. So last year's first round, the Leafs and Bruins averaged about four and a quarter million per game. Um, the Stanley Cup final did two and a half, which was a good number for the Stanley Cup final. So there's there's how many viewers you lose when when the when the Leafs go out of things. So uh, if the Leafs could make it to the final, and we're, we're we're taking a lot of steps here, a lot, of, but nonetheless, if they ever could make it to the final, four and a half was what they got for the first round. Do you think the numbers for the final would be significantly higher, or is that the that those are the people who are going to tune in and watch, regardless of whether it's first round or last round? Yeah, no, I think it would significantly get higher because what what, what would happen then was the four and a half million, you know, a, a huge percent of hockey fans. When you get up to the point of getting into a final, you're going to bring in all kinds of people who never watched a game of hockey all year. So, I, you know, I, I could see six, easily six million for a, a final involving the Leafs and, and maybe even beyond that, uh, depending on who they're playing, I guess. Now, that would be the Canadian, the CBC Sportsnet. Yeah. That would be their dream. Uh, what about the NHL itself? And, you know, last year they had probably the utopia for them, which was Vegas going all the way to the finals, expansion team, unbelievable story, uh, the pregame show of all pregame shows, night after night. People are tuning in just to watch the eight or nine minute pregame show. Is there a team, and by the way, the woman who was the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights playoff pregame show is from Buffalo. She's going to be on the show tomorrow night, so tune in for that one. But is there any team like Vegas south of the border that the NHL is secretly rooting for that could be a huge ratings driver for them south of the border? Um, no, I guess the New York Rangers. No, wait a minute. They They're out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You no, know, it, it's, it's tough to say because the, well, of course the big market 
aren't there this year. Right. Los Angeles, New York, Detroit. Philadelphia, Chicago. Uh, Philadelphia and Chicago. So you're really looking at, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington are probably, you know, it's even hard to imagine. Well, I guess Washington probably got, you know, picked up a lot of interest last year by finally winning. And they do have one of the sort of recognizable superstars in the league on their team. So they, you know, that might be their their ticket. But I, I think Pittsburgh is probably the team that, uh, you know, if, if you asked NBC who they will want in the final, I think they would uh, they would go with Pittsburgh. As I said before, the Vegas pregame show was something we've not seen before in hockey. Certainly, <laughs> maybe in any sport. Any sport, yeah. Could if they go on a run again and they rekindle the pregame show, is it going to have the same effect, the same mm-hmm. impact, or we've now seen it done there? I don't really need to see that again. Yeah, well, you know, never count out Vegas when it comes to uh, you know starting up and starting up something <laughs> that's already been tarted. But but the, the story is missing this year, you know, and that was a big part of the draw too. And I think uh, yeah, it would be pretty tough to top that. I was trying to think what they could do to top what they did before <laughs> have white tigers with Siegfried and Roy or right. <laughs> have like drops of Elvis sweat falling from the ceiling or something I don't know what you do Siegfried and Roy with the tiger the one that the one that attacked uh, whichever one got attacked now have, have Celine Dion emerge from behind a goalpost <laughs> <laughs> to sing the anthem. She could have hid behind one of those goalposts. So. <laughs> she may have. <laughs> um, all right. The uh, Let us move to the other topic of things that are starting this week. And it's completely different because the day that the Masters has a Vegas-style opening before the tournament, uh, Hootie, whatever his name is, who runs the place, is going to have an aneurysm. What is it about the Masters that even people who are moderate slash casual slash not even that golf fans on a Sunday afternoon will tune in just to watch a bit of it. What, why this tournament compared to every other golf tournament? I think it's mostly tradition. You know, it, it, it has been recognized as sort of the, the gold standard of tournaments for, for a long time now. So people love tradition. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot and a lot of reasons why we watch sports, uh, you know, it's uh, it's October. It's the World Series. We got to watch it, even if we don't really care who's playing. Um, so I think that's probably the big the big draw. The other one is that uh, it doesn't have the um, the real detriment to watching uh, golf on TV that you know that we usually are forced to uh, to watch, which is the you know the tournament that's uh, broken up every twelve minutes by commercials. Uh, you know the the Masters is is as close to pure as you can get, um, and again that's part of tradition. And uh, but it also just makes the whole the whole thing uh, just much more uh, much more enjoyable to watch. But really, the big draw is, is tradition <clears throat> and Tiger Woods. Well, and Tiger Woods. We'll get to him in just one second because the other thing was I'm always amazed that people when they watch the Masters are not only willing to overlook the schmaltz factor and they schmaltz it up like nothing else. Oh, there is nothing else on TV. But they embrace it. When you have the tinkling yeah. keys and the soft focus azaleas and all the rest, like normally you would say, okay, enough, I get it. And yet with this one, you're like, give me more. I want more of that. Well, I think that's part of the tradition. It's like, uh, you know, the, the guilty pleasure of uh, sitting there and listening to the tinkling pianos and then the azaleas and listening to the, uh, you know, the outrageous commentary, uh, you know, and the reference to the, the, the guys who are, you know, the yabos who follow around the, the golf course, follow players around the golf course, suddenly become patrons. Patrons, yes. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, probably half of those guys are the same ones, the drunken drunken loats at the uh, waste management class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But when they get here, they suddenly they become, become respectable paid. citizens. Yeah, and I, I think it's all tied in. It's just tradition. It, um, you know, and it survived. It survived controversy. I mean, the years when they wouldn't uh, allow any women, or and in, in the years when they wouldn't allow any blacks as members, you know, all of that is sort of forgiven. It's, uh, it's just managed to get itself in a position of being sort of the the holy grail of golf. Well, and, and last year they had, I can't even think of his name now, who won the thing last year, I'm drawing a blank, who was not a very popular player and still doesn't matter. You still end up with huge ratings. What if, you mentioned Tiger Woods, yeah. again, I, I mentioned before, but what if the Leafs ever made it to the finals? What if Tiger Woods was ever actually in contention again on Sunday? Well, they would get, they would score the biggest ratings that they've had since the last time he was in contention. <laughs> I mean, the, the truth of the matter is that in the world of golf, and they they were they, they rec- you talk about uh, the Canadian networks recognizing the value of the Leafs, uh, the American networks recognize that without Tiger, um, you know their their golf coverage is in trouble because this, you know no matter how much drama takes place, no matter how how many guys do what Corey Connors did on the weekend, which is you know qualify in a playoff on the Monday and then go on to win the tournament, those that people aren't interested in that. They're interested in Tiger. They want to see the greatest golfer of our generation, and uh, and that will be that's every every time Tiger gets in contention, they they, they score the biggest ratings uh, that you know of the year. So that's that's the dream, and and even you know, and that's why no matter where he is in the uh, and on the leaderboard, uh, no matter how far down the leaderboard he is, you'll still see more Tiger Woods shots than. In some cases, the the guys in the top five. Oh yeah, they'll show. I, I I'm positive that if you tune in and watch the entire thing, and I'm not being funny, they will show him walking into the clubhouse from his car, getting out oh, of the yeah. car, walking in. Oh yeah, walking out. If he has to go for a pee, they'll they'll probably catch him. They won't say what it is because they got to use. You know, he has to relieve himself. They wouldn't ever say he's got to go to the bathroom. No, he, he needs to freshen up. <laughs> he must freshen up. But, and the other thing is, I was down there a couple of years ago when Mackenzie Hughes was in there. I was covering it. And I'll tell you something. If if Tiger Woods, watching how the galleries move and how that course works, if Tiger Woods was ever in contention, you would be able to walk anywhere else on that entire course without a single person there. Every person on that course would be in the one gallery following Tiger Woods. Yeah. It, it would be just, for everyone else who was playing, it would be like playing on a Sunday afternoon at your municipal course. Really nice municipal course, but a municipal course, because there'd be nobody watching you. No, and you know that's that's the uh, that's the network uh, executive's worst nightmare is what happens when this guy retires, and uh, there is no answer. There is nobody. They, have, have they cloned they him to... yet? <laughs> they, he and Dolly have been cloned together, and they're going to have a sheep golfer that can play forever. They need another tiger, and yeah, boy, these guys don't come along every year. They keep trying to create them. You know, Jordan Spieth. Uh, uh, Sergio, uh, Rory McIlroy. Uh, remember those few years ago with the uh, the guy with the buck teeth, Charles uh, the Third. Uh, Charles Howell the Third. Charles Howell the Third. They tried they tried to create him as the next Tiger, and he didn't. You know, none of these guys can be the next Tiger. Well, because, because it's not just about winning. No, no, it's the whole package. It's about it's it's winning. It's about drawing attention. It's about all kinds of different things. And yeah. you're right; nobody else can do it. And and we may probably will never in our lifetime. There may be a generation down the road, but this is probably the only time, which makes it even more of a draw because I think people are looking now saying, how many more years is he even yeah. going to be here? 
Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. This is uh, this is this is the man. So, we got, Chris, we got to run. But if you okay. now, if the choice comes that it's the Masters on, I don't know when the Leafs schedule is. I'm assuming they're not playing any afternoon games. But if it was, if the Leafs ended up playing the Bruins in a playoff game and the Masters was on on a Sunday afternoon, which one are you watching? I probably would go with the Masters. Um, you know, a, a, a Stanley Cup final or even a conference final is one thing. But the first round, I could probably I could probably skip that for a day. Chris Elkovich, love having you on. We'll do this again okay, sooner than we did last time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Scott. That's, uh, that's this weekend. So you got the Leafs start Thursday night in Boston. A lot of people nervous about that one. And you got the Masters starting Thursday in Augusta. I don't think anyone's nervous about that one. They're just waiting anxiously for it. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.